0: Tonight, Genesis chapter number 3, it's the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis 3, you know, on Wednesday nights we we'll have been looking at principles to live by, or living by principles. Principles are different than doctrines. Doctrines are truth, rights and wrongs that we hold to, but we've been looking at some principles. These are basic guidelines that help us, and so we have looked at a number of principles of separation, principles of consecration. Principle of heavenly affections and temptation. Principle of a good name. Principle of judging. Then the last time we looked at the principle of being promoted. You know, promotion is really in God's hands. You can't push it. You've got to let God do it in his time. And uh, it hinges on faithfulness in little things. Pastor, I'm waiting for God to open up a big door for me. Then I'll be faithful. It doesn't work like that. God tests you with being faithful in something that's small, and then he blesses that faithfulness by giving something bigger. And our promotion may take longer than we ever imagined, but again, it's in God's hands. Genesis 3, verse number 6, very familiar verse to start with, Genesis 3, verse 6, if you'd follow as a read. The Bible says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, And that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, again, thank you for each one that's come. Thank you, Lord, that you've arranged in the middle of a week that we can stop and gather and sing these hymns and open up your word and learn from it. Help us. I know it's a very familiar verse that we started with, but Lord... As we wade into a new principle tonight, pray that you teach us, help us to learn it. May this principle spare us from some unnecessary grief in our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, look there in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6. And when the woman, question, who's the woman? Eve. It says, when the woman saw that the tree, what tree, what's the name of that tree? Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so we're talking about Adam and Eve in the garden. In that garden, there were many trees. What's the name of one of the other trees in that garden? Tree of life. And it would seem that they could partake of that tree of life, and they would continue to live, whether they had to keep eating to keep living. There was a tree of life, but there was also a tree of the knowledge of good and evil, And they were told that they weren't to eat of that tree. Back up there to Genesis 2 and verse 17. Genesis 2 verse 17, uh, God said this to Adam, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So they were given only one command, don't eat of that tree. Well, as you get back there to Genesis chapter number 3, we know the serpent shows up in that garden. And he begins to reason with Eve, and uh, he says, you won't die. Look there in verse 4. Genesis 3:4, and the serpent uh, said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. So God always, sorry, God says something and the devil always questions it. Be careful about somebody that questions what God has already made a statement of. When somebody puts a question mark at the end of a sentence that God put a period you need to be careful around those kind of people. So again, the devil begins to put a question mark there. And look at there in verse number 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did to eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did to eat. I know again that that's a very familiar passage in the Bible. But I want you to notice where all of her troubles started at least in chapter 3 and verse 6. Look there in verse 6 again. And when the woman saw, do you know her troubles began when she began to look at something that she never should have looked at in the beginning. It says when uh, the woman saw, and if you look there in verse number 6, the steps are very clear. First of all, she saw... And the second one in the middle of that verse six is she desired. And the third thing in verse six is she took. And so she saw, she desired, and she took. And you know, it all started with seeing. It all just began with her looking at something that if she just had never looked at to begin with, if you're taking notes, we're looking at the principle of seeing. The principle of seeing. Now, again, the steps are saw, and then desired, and then took. You know the fourth step? It's found right at the end of chapter 3. Look there in verse 23. Genesis 3 and verse 23. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden. Verse 24. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east the garden of Eden cherubim, and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So if you would, there's four steps. She saw, secondly, she desired, third, she took, and fourth, she regretted. Now, how many of us have taken all four of those steps? And it ended in regretting, but the regretting would never have happened if we hadn't first taken the first step, and that's see or saw. Again, we're going to look at the principle of seeing. I wonder after they were kicked out, I wonder how many times Adam and Eve had this discussion. I wonder how many times Adam said, Eve, why did you even look? Eve, if you hadn't looked, we'd still be on the inside of the garden instead of the outside of the garden looking in. I think you'll agree with me that Eve wasn't the only person who ever messed up by that first step of seeing. How many of us have come home after a day of shopping and uh, in all of our new purchases, we, we brought home something that we didn't really need? <laughs> and uh, sir, if it was you, your wife probably said, what's this for? Why did you ever get something like this? Maybe a man has a nerve to ask his wife that, but I'm saying to you that all of us have had these similar steps. And really, if you're pressed, and whether it was at a shopping mall or browsing through a catalog or surfing the internet, the first step of a poor purchase is it caught my eye and sooner or later it caught my cash. (laughs) It always starts with seeing. And so I would suggest to you that uh, Eve saw and then she desired and then she bought and then she regretted. And that's always a progression. It always starts with seeing. It always ends with regret. That's not only true in the area of purchases, it's also true in the area of things far more important than the purchase. It's true about moral decisions. It's true about uh, uh, our time given to media, our ambitions in life. What we see affects what we do. And if we allow it in our eyes, then it convinces us of, of things that it, if had never gotten into our eyes to begin with, what a difference might have been made. You can let go of Genesis. Find the book of Lamentations. Now, I know it's a bit of a hunt, but it'll be worth it. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations. So just a little past the middle of the Bible, the book of Lamentations, only five chapters long. If you go too far, you'll get to Ezekiel. So it's before Ezekiel, after Jeremiah, look there in Lamentations chapter 3. So we're trying to learn about this principle of seeing, the principle of seeing. First one, Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 51. The verse says, mine eye affecteth mine heart. So if you're taking notes, first thing is our eyes are connected to our heart. That's pretty basic. In other words, what you let in your eyes eventually fills your heart. And if your heart is full of something, then no doubt it came through that eye gate, you know, with our eyes, and it's just really our eyes are amazing, amazing what they can do. How our eyes, these little pupils inside our head, how these eyes can absorb information and how it can all be uh, computed down to brain waves and thoughts, and it's amazing. You know that if you look upon some wonders of the world, the Rocky Mountains, first time you ever see the Rocky Mountains, probably your heart goes, wow. Your eye affects your heart. I can still remember the first time our family got to see the Grand Canyon. We knew it was there somewhere. We just kept walking down this path, and wow. What we saw affected our heart. I think the first time we saw the Gulf of Mexico, the first time I got to see the Mediterranean Sea, the Sea of Galilee, first time we were on top of Mount Carmel, where Elijah had the showdown. Do you know our eyes when they absorb some of the natural things that God created, it affects our heart. Not only when our eyes see natural things, but when our eyes see the accomplishments of man. I think the first time I saw the city of Jerusalem was just breathtaking. It was just amazing. First time you look upon art, and I'm not talking about immoral art, but the art some people are very good with artistry. It's just breathtaking. I I say to you, it's ridiculous for someone to say, these little eyes of ours just evolved by millions of years. That's foolishness. God created that. But as much as the God created eyes that we have, as much as when we view things that are beautiful and things that are attractive, and that affects our heart, You know, it's likewise true that when we see things that are ugly and see things that are nasty and see things that are sinful, that that goes directly to our heart. Again, I say, first of all, our eyes are connected to our heart. I I suppose I've read Lamentations 3.51. I'm going to guess in my Bible reading 50 times. I, I believe I've been through the Bible 50 times. So I've read that verse likely in my Bible reading 50 times, but I remember the first time that it really struck a chord. I was at a missions conference, and a missionary read that verse, and he preached it. And he said that he felt a tug on his heart for going to a particular field of ministry, and so he said he took a survey trip, and he said what he saw absolutely his heart. Look at verse again, 51. Mine eye affecteth mine heart. And certainly that would be true, it certainly ought to be true for every missionary, every field that they go, what they see does something in their heart. Pastor, what's the background of Lamentations? The book of Lamentations was written by Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet. Uh, Some of you would have dates on the top of your page. Someone give me a date for Lamentations 3. Someone give me a date? 588, okay, anyone else? We'll take 588. Do you know, the nation of Israel, Jerusalem, they had enemies from time to time that attacked them. And uh, at this particular time, Babylon was the enemy. Babylon brought their armies against Jerusalem and three times they conquered Jerusalem. First one is 606 B.C. We know that that's when Daniel was taken as a slave, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. We know the second time that Babylon came back and encircled Jerusalem was 598 B.C. We know the third time was, some would say 588, some would say 586. This is when Jeremiah wrote the book of Lamentations. Lamentations means weeping. And Jeremiah stood there as the enemy came pouring into the city. And that third visit to Jerusalem is when Babylon knocked down the temple and knocked down the Jerusalem walls. And as Jeremiah watched the destruction of his beloved city, Jeremiah began to weep, and he began to cry about what was happening there and his eyes before him. Look there, if you would, in Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 45. Jeremiah knows this is happening because that nation has turned their back on God. So God's judging, Lamentations 3.45. Thou, that's God, thou hast made us as the offscouring and refuse in the midst of the people, All our enemies have opened their mouths against us. Fear and a snare has come upon us, desolation and destruction. Mine eye runneth down with the rivers of water for the destruction of the daughter of my people. Mine eye trickleth down and ceaseth not without any intermission. Couldn't stop crying. Till the Lord looked down and behold from heaven, then verse 51, mine eye affecteth mine heart. So Jeremiah was acknowledging that what comes in here eventually gets down there. Again, I say to you the very first thing about this principle of seeing, our eyes are connected to our heart. And if you remember when we read back there in Genesis chapter 3 about Eve, it says when the woman saw that the tree saw that the tree was good for food, And that it was wise, uh, sorry, that it was pleasant to the eyes. We're still at the eyesight. And a tree to be desired. That word desire, your desires are associated with your heart. Isn't it true? Uh, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. So desire is in your heart. And this woman, Eve, looked at the tree, and she saw it was pleasant to the eyes and desired, that, that's the heart. Folks, everything that we look at affects our heart. That's the first thing that we notice. And the sins of most of us, it's rooted in the heart, but it came through the eye gate, whether it's coveting or lusting or whatever it is. I'll give you a second thing. They're in Psalm 101, so that's before Lamentations, before Jeremiah, before Isaiah, before Ecclesiastes. Psalm chapter 101, so the first thing is our eyes are connected to our heart. Well, if you believe that, that what your eye takes in is eventually going to fill your heart, this then would make some sense. Psalm 101 verse 3. Psalm 101, verse 3, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. Now, that makes sense. If what comes in your eyes gets in your heart, then you and I would be wise to be careful what gets in our eyes. Folks, we don't just look at anything. We don't just look at everything. We just don't watch everything. We just don't read everything. Because if it comes in your eyes, it gets in your heart. And once it gets in your heart, it then begins to instruct your mouth what to say, and your feet where to go, and your hands what to do. So if our eyes are connected to our heart, why don't you write the second thing, if you would? We'd be wise to control what we see. We'd be wise to control what we see. The old timers used to say you need to set a guard at the gate of your life. And they talked about the ear gate, and they talked about the eye gate. Because they said, if you let in your ear, let's pick on rock music, if you, set in, uh, if you allow rock music in your ears, that'll fill your heart. And if you allow evil things in your eyes, that'll affect your heart. Therefore, a wise person, particularly a wise Christian, is going to be selective in what they let their eyes see. They're going to be selective in what they let their ears hear. Here David wrote uh, 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 all about that. In fact, begin there in verse number three. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Why? He knew it would affect his heart. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me a froward heart shall depart from me, I will not know a wicked person. So now he's talking not only about things he saw, verse 3, he wasn't going to let them close to his eyes. He wasn't going to let the wrong kind of people, verse 4, close to him. Verse 5, who privily slandereth his neighbor. So when I find someone who's slandering someone else, I just don't let them near my ears. Folks, all that's common sense. Well, if it's so much common sense, why are some Christians reading some things they shouldn't read? I guess they don't have common sense. Well, I can read it. it won't affect me. According to the Bible, it will, because your eyes are connected to your heart. Keep reading there in verse number five, who privily slandereth his neighbor. He said, I'm not going to let that, those kind of words near my ears, him will I cut off. Him that hath a high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful land. This is the crowd I want to be by, the ones that are faithful that they may dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. So it, it just makes common sense. If, if what we see fills our heart, and if what we hear fills our heart, I'm not going to let some things my eyes see. That just makes sense. I'm not going to let some things my ears hear. Look over there in Job, before Psalms, the book of Job chapter 31. Job chapter 31. Sometimes parents wonder, how on earth did those words ever get into my children's mouth? Well, somewhere got in their heart. Someone was careless and left the ear gate or the eye gate open. And those things got in. When they got in, they'll eventually come out. Job chapter 31, look there in verse number 7. Job 31, verse 7. If my step have turned out of the way... And my heart walked after mine eyes. Notice Job understood. Your heart and your eyes are connected. And if any blot hath cleaved mine hands, then let me sow and let another eat. Yea, let my offspring be rooted out. Job was the very first book that's recorded in the Bible. And here in the very first book recorded in the Bible, Job understood that what his eyes saw his heart stored. He understood that. Now, you know the book of Job. Job was a righteous man, loved God, eschewed. He hated evil. And one day the devil said, well, he just loves you because you blessed him and take away the blessings. And I know the missionary Sunday night mentioned Job, and and we know that Job chapter 1 and 2 have just about lost everything. From Job chapter 3 to this chapter, Job chapter thirty. Job has had three friends that have been criticizing and picking away at him and saying, all these troubles are your fault. You are the creator of your own demise. Job in his own defense, look there again, Job 31.7, if, if my step hath turned out of the way. In other words, if I've gone to places that I never should have gone, keep reading verse 7, And if, is repeated, if mine heart walked after mine eyes. So he's saying, if I was careless with my eyes, and my heart followed what my eyes looked at, he's saying, if that's happened, and this is his defense, verse 8, then let me sow, and let another eat. In other words, all of this that I've accumulated, God has a right to give it to somebody else. You said, Pastor, how could he be so sure that he hadn't looked at things he should have never looked at? How how could he be so sure that that's not in his heart? Look at verse 1, Job 31, verse 1. I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? You know what? He made some commitments. He used the word covenant. He said, I am not going to look at some things that are going to bring my own destruction. And folks, I say, if you're wise, you'll control what you see. Jesus even took a harder stance than that. Look there in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter number 5. Now, see, Pastor, I keep falling to the same thing over and over again. Preach, what's wrong with me? Well, you're going to have to make some covenants with your eyes and some covenants with your ears. Matthew chapter 5, look there if you would in verse 29. Matthew 5, verse 29, And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out. Cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not thy whole body should be cast in hell. Now, obviously, the Lord wasn't promoting self-mutilation. God isn't interested in people plucking their eyes out. But that's how serious God was about you and I doing some things to prevent it even from getting in our eyes. He said, listen, if your eye keeps causing you to stumble, pluck it out. Well, I wouldn't do that. But that's how serious it is. And if you say, Pastor, I I keep falling into the same thing. Well, how serious are you at making sure it doesn't enter your eyes? Still watching the same stuff? Still surfing the same sites? Still reading the same filth? Still listening to the same negative comments? Folks, we don't have a chance unless we get serious about this. And so I say if advertisements on TV keep tempting you to sin... Get rid of the TV. You say, well, oh, that's just radical. Well, that's not as radical as plucking your eye out. If magazines come into your mailbox, and cause you to sin, then throw them in the trash before they're reading. I remember one time preaching for a pastor in Alberta, and uh, Brother Hollingsworth, a good friend, <laughs> and he, he liked chess, and I liked chess, so we played chess. And if you understand the game of chess, you're zoned in. You're looking at the next move, two moves, three moves, four moves. And the whole time I'm playing chess, and he's right across from me, I'm listening this. Well, you know how when you're concentrating on something, your ears recognize it, but your, your mind doesn't kick in a gear yet. And finally, I say, my, my mind says to something else in me, someone's tearing something up. So I, for a moment, took my eyes off that chessboard, and it was Mrs. Hollingsworth. She was sitting there on the couch. And I said, ma'am, what are you doing? And she said, well, there's a catalog. And she said, we get these from time to time. And she said, before I let those in my family even look at it, I take out all the pages that are going to cause them to sin. And I said, pastor, I think that's radical. I think that's smart. I think that's wise. And she looked at me and she said, "Do you know how many young men have messed up with a Sears catalog and the ladies' lingerie pages? And the parent didn't have enough sense to know this is going to hurt my boys." And so she just now looked at her. And says, "Is anything going to be left?" She said, "I don't know. We'll find out." <laughs> I'm saying to you, first of all, that uh, our eyes are connected to our heart. Second thing, we'd be wise to control what we see. You know, preacher, I, I just don't see that it's all that bad. Well, as soon as it gets you on a path, it's going to take you down the path. Charles Spurgeon said, the same rule that bids you to avoid sin, bids you also to avoid all that leads to sin. If adultery is forbidden, then a glance in that direction has put you on the wrong road. So again, I say we'd be wise to control what we see. I give you a third thing. Look, there in 1 John, right near the end of the Bible. 1 John, 1 John. So we, we're trying to look at this principle of seeing. Principle of seeing. First of all, our eyes are connected to our heart. What we see eventually fills our heart. Second thing, we'd be wise to control what we see. If it's going to fill our heart, then you want to be careful what you see. I give you a third thing, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8. 1 John 1 and verse 8, if we say that we have no sin. Now, isn't that foolish? Folks, every person here, me and you included, has sinned. All of us. So for someone to say we have no sin, that's foolish. Well, I'll read the rest of the verse, 1 John 1, eight. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Could I give you some common sense steps to get the victory? If you take notes, we can do some things to get the victory. Pastor, I keep falling to the same thing. And you're right. It starts with what I look at. How do I get the victory? Can I get the victory? Is this thing going to defeat me the rest of my life? Am I just as good as a goner? No, there are some things that you could do. First one, if you write this down, is be honest. Just be honest. This person in verse 8 is not honest. They say, no, I don't have a problem with sin. I don't sin. That's not honest. If you'll simply be honest and admit the fact that you have trouble with temptation, I'm not saying you have to stand up in front of a church and tell everyone. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you have to go to a confessional and tell a priest. I'm not saying that. Be honest with yourself. I have trouble every time that I, that's the first step. You can't get help if you're not honest. Second thing, uh, be open. You say, well, what does that mean? Look over there in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Do you know when we wake up to the fact that every day we're in a spiritual battle, every single day when you open your eyes, whether that's morning or afternoon, every single day that you open your eyes, you are in a battle. And there's been somebody all night long just waiting for you to open those eyes because he's, he's ready to do it. Be open. Be open to the fact that you cannot win this battle. First, you have to be honest. Second, you have to be open. God, I can't win this thing. I failed yesterday. I failed three days ago. I say, first, be honest. Second, be open. Every day we wake up to a spiritual battle. Satan began his attack on Eve before she talked to God that day. When you wake up, the devil's been waiting. He's had all night to plan. So begin your day by asking God to help you. Look there in Galatians 5, verse 17. For the flesh, that's what gets us into trouble, lusteth against the spirit, notice the capital S, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Look at verse 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So first of all, we're honest. And second of all, uh, we're open to the fact that we're going to lose today again unless we seek God's help. The Spirit of God wants to help you, but you're going to have to ask Him to help you. I think you say, Lord, uh, would you, every time I'm about to do something, would you let me know? Scream at me. Uh, So that when you go pick up that magazine that was laying in the doctor's office, if they still have magazines in the doctor's office. You say, a preacher It looks pretty innocent from the outside. Yes, but it's page 17, it'll mess you up. And I think if you're genuine and say, God, I'm in trouble. Sin always trips me up. Would you please tell me the moment I have stepped on a wrong path, I say, first of all, be honest. Secondly, uh, be open. Third, be obedient. When the Spirit of God speaks to your heart, listen. I can handle it. That's not what you asked for. You asked the Spirit of God to direct you. First, be honest. Second, be open. Third, be obedient. Fourth, hide God's Word in your heart. Hide God's Word in your heart. Thy Word a hid my heart that I might not sin against thee. Every temptation the devil used on Jesus, he quoted scripture. I say be honest, be open, be obedient, hide God's word in your heart. Fifth thing, get busy with wholesome things. Instead of focusing your eyes on the wrong things, get busy with the right things. Find some ministry that you can do for God. And step six, no matter what happens, keep your eyes on God. Every person in the Bible that messed up, somewhere they got their eyes off of God. You know, eyes are a wonderful thing. I got four of them. That's how wonderful they are. They're wonderful, if you use it for the right thing. A lot of Christians being messed up by the wrong thing. I heard about these two boys. I'll be done with this. There were two boys who grew up together. They were close friends as children, but as they entered their teen years, their paths began to take separate directions. Ernie, Ernie was always in trouble. He began by shoplifting small things that he saw. He got in trouble with his eyes that he saw, and he went from stores and worked his way to stealing cars that he saw. Eventually got into armed robbery. And finally, on one of his stealing sprees, he killed a man. They arrested him, they convicted him, and they sentenced him to death. Well, his friend Mike took a different path. Mike turned away from those rebellious tendencies of his friend Ernie, and he finished school. He worked his way through college and graduated, became a successful businessman. Mike had a problem, though. He had difficulty with his physical health. His eyes, in particular, were weak. So as Mike uh, grew older, his eyesight deteriorated until he was legally blind. One day, Mike heard the news about his old buddy, Ernie. He felt a terrific sense of compassion for Ernie. He wanted to find out what happened to his childhood friends, so he reached out to him. Mike wrote a number of letters to Ernie. Finally, he found out where he was, and he went to visit him in prison. And they had a very emotional reunion, those two. They could only speak by phone across a security window at the jail. But in spite of years of uh, hard-hearted living, something inside of Ernie warmed as he talked with a man whom he had played with as a boy. And Mike told him about his eyesight. And Ernie knew he was about to die. And Ernie inquired, They're going to take my life anyway. Wouldn't it be great if I could give Mike my eyes? True story. And before they killed Ernie, before they took his life, because he had taken another man's life, he gave his eyes to his friend, his friend could see. It turned out that was medically possible in those days, and that's what happened. Ernie was executed for his crime, but through his surgery, his good eyes were used to restore Mike's vision. And isn't that exactly what God did do? We were blind because of sin, but because of a miracle of God, we were able to see. And the question is, what are you doing with your eyes? Pastor, I keep falling into the same sin, and you're right. It's always because of the things I look at. You're going to have to get serious about the fact that your eyes are connected to your heart. And if that's true, you are going to have to get serious about preventing what your eyes get to see. There might be some things that you need to dispose of. There might need to be some things that you need to cancel. There might be some things that you're going to have to go without. And you can get the victory. You have to be honest. You have to be open and ask for God's help. Be obedient when he tells you. Get in the Bible, get busy with wholesome things, and focus on God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this principle. And Lord, I don't think any of it's new. I, I think we all, it's, it's just common sense. What we see, it develops a castle in our heart. It's kindness, it's kindness in our heart. it's sometimes what we see or that just takes over our heart. I pray you'd help us, Lord, to see our eyes are connected to our heart. And it would just be good wisdom, if that's true, that we guard what we allow our eyes to see. There is victory. You can get victory. It doesn't have to be a repetitious thing time and time again. Lord, there's some common sense things. Be honest. Just be honest. Just be open and ask God for his help. Just be obedient when the Spirit of God says no. Obey that no. Fill our hearts with your word. Find scriptures that will combat what we constantly fall to. Use our eyes to look upon good things. Focus on God. Find a ministry we can do for him. I pray give us the victory in the area of our eyes. We ask it in Jesus' name.